This is a podcast about time. The time it takes to become an artisan. Heritage. Saving to buy something you'll keep forever. Sustainability. Memories attached to clothing that you've loved and lived in. And the longevity of friendship. To us, the true definition of luxury. I'm Lynn Coleman. Join me and my friend and colleague, Jill Brown, as we chat about the components about what makes Scottish cashmere so special, why it's loved by people all around the globe, and why every design house has a Scottish mill in their little black book. Beg & Co. Weaving Credentials, Mulberry, Ralph Lauren and Vivian Westwood. Cashmere comes from all four corners of Scotland. Alex Beg & Company hail from the West. In 1866, Alex Begg set up in Paisley where he made traditional hand-woven Paisley shawls that were widely used in horse-drawn carriages. With success came the need for bigger premises, so in 1902 Begg moved an hour south of Glasgow to Ayr to premises with new machinery which allowed for increasingly skilled weaving techniques. The key component to incredibly soft cashmere is the teeming of impeccable raw materials with rich Scottish water. This is something that Beg really got. The location's reliable annual rainfall is to this day an essential ingredient in the manufacturing process and finishing techniques that elevate the scarfs and throws from very good to excellent. To achieve this excellence, gallons of soft Scottish water which flow off the Ayrshire Hills are required. The brilliance of Beg boils down to their cross-fabric ability and their knowledge of what materials will go in harmony together. Their processes are still very much artisanal and handcrafted with traditional looms and specific machines continuing to deliver the very best results to finish. Much like the other mills, Begg produced products for fashion giants as well as corporate clients, whilst also dedicating time to developing their own lines. Eight star pieces that go by the name of Aaron, Kisshorn, Staffa, Bara, Nuance, Tahiti and Jura are all woven with care. Their signature cloth is Aran and was pioneered in the 1970s, remaining as relevant today as a winter wardrobe essential, just as it was back then. Aran has a cloud soft handle and luxurious ripple finish, achieved by the use of hand harvested Italian teasels and their gentle brushing effect. These spiky dried flower heads are specifically grown for the company in Italy to gently brush the surface of the cashmere to raise the pile and create a characteristic ripple finish and a soft handle that is synonymous with beg. It's like butter. Right, stop. You're telling me these people grow plants just to brush their cashmere with? Jill, I am telling you, later in, um, in technology, they would make these out of bits of plastic and they rapidly realised that the thistle did not... Um, it couldn't be replicated with plastic, so they went back to the harvesting of it. What it does to the wool is, it's like when right, you I have to cream. Yeah, you, feel free, fire up your laptop, but you know when you have cream and then you whip it? That's yeah. exactly what happens to the wool. It kind of, it, it obviously damages it because it's spiky thistles, right? That's, mm -hmm. that's what teaseling is. So you brush it, but it makes it super duper soft and it gives it this really lovely um, texture which kind of gives it a sheen. It's, you, you can do it, um, any, any mill can do it, but 
for me, what um, actually really screams through is that the the water in air does something with the teasling there. And so Beg's throws and stoles are like whipped air. It's just beautiful. Are you having a nice time there while I'm talking? Yeah, I'm to really, I'm sorry. And your internet shopping. Uh, it's, it's the equivalent of like mouthwatering. <laughs> what are you looking at? Let me see. It's just absolutely, I've never seen anything. And if you'd ever told me I would, I would ever comprehend spending £1,600 in a blanket. I would never have believed Yeah, you. no, they're, they're proper investment pieces. And, you know, I, I batter you over the head with this over and over and over again. This will be a, a piece that's with you for the rest of your life. And they're huge. They're really, really... Like you, you could put them over a whole bed and you could wear them as a throw. You know, you could put a big brooch on it. You could wear it over a jacket and belt it. You could wear it in the People, summer. People, a... do yourself a favour give up on property porn you know when you go into right moving you just don't put a price limit on anything don't bother doing that just go to begging co another thing that um lynn and i's mutual friend cassie and i used to do when we worked together and we used to work at the morning radio show which in scotland in winter is horrendous it's, it's a half past four in the morning start and we'd get to like half past nine ten the show would be finished we'd had breakfast and we'd sit and play on the tiffany stacking ring site yes. so we did that and then that graduated to property porn and just looking at right move without any um money limits now people i'm telling you if you need to be cheered up just go to begit co and look at these blankets because my god that is aspiration right there and the worst thing about this is you can't physically put your hand through and the internet see once you touch it it's, it's a completely different ball game and they're by far beg and co do for me they they are they are the the kings of the throw you know that we listen we produce a high level across all mills but for mm. me beg and co are are you know as a textile writer i've handled this stuff you know year on year and written about it they are they are the daddies for me but while you internet shop will i finish the end of this (laughs) you just have a wee shop and completely ignore me so these spiky dried flower heads are specifically grown for the company in italy to gently brush the surface of the cashmere so it raises the pile to create a characteristic ripple finish that's so soft and synonymous with beg when new machinery had been proven to outperform traditional methods it has been brought in to aid the sophistication of the flexibility of some of the other lines that included over 30 different product processes. Beg's brand, Beg & Co, was birthed in the autumn of 2013, marking the beginning of a new chapter in the company's history as it embarked on a global campaign to establish itself as a brand under a new name. It has brought a freshness and a vibrancy to a brand that's over 150 years old, with products that have that heritage making it feel contemporary while retaining all its heritage and quality. And of course, Jill, your new favourite thing. That teasel. is my new favourite thing when I think I don't want to get up and go to work when my alarm goes off. I'll just think of my teasel and my one day that I will have an ombre blanket. Do you know, um, when I, a couple of years ago, I was doing the Fashion Week circuit, I was down in London, um, I had to do Mulberry and Pringle in the same day so i know i know you're like shit it was do you know what it was i used to love it i used to absolutely love it and now that i'm married with 500 wains and i can't get out the door never mind go to fashion week i think about it longingly Um, doesn't feel so manic now does it it really doesn't it really doesn't (laughs) 
um, but Mulberry were doing um, an off, off show. So what they were doing is doing a showroom instead of doing a, 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 a catwalk, essentially. So what that means is they set up all the mannequins and they put all the samples out and then they walk press through and, and buyers through where the collection has come from and the concepts and the design and all that kind of stuff. It's really, really lovely. Actually, those showrooms for me are always way more fun because as a writer, I get to delve behind the technique. But this particular year, I had, I was wearing both hats. I was going down to write about it for the paper, but I also had just become brand guardian of DC Dalgleish, which is an artisan tartan mill um, up here in Selkirk. And I walked in and the prize beast on the floor that day was this gorgeous coat um, that had been crafted in, in certain different materials. I don't think it was cashmere, I can't quite remember, but I looked at it from across the room and I knew it had been teaseled instantly because of what I was just talking about that, that Beg just are synonymous with. Um, and I, I looked at it across the room and, and um, Mulberry used Beg too as one of their, their mills. Um, and I said, that's been teaseled to my friend who is uh, on the press team, her name's Jess, she's amazing. And she was like, it's what? It's been what? And she went away. She was like, it has been teaseled. How did you know about that? And I said, well, I, I've been learning lots over the years, but teaseling actually in cashmere um, and super soft school. So you, if, if you do it in merino and you do it in um, cashmere, it just creates, like I said to you, this, this whipped cream analogy. So it goes from like a sort of liquid finish to this fluffy, fluffy... And you can just, you know, when you see uh, cream change, that texture, the, the, the sort of very light sheen, you can just yes. imagine what that would feel like in like a textile. Yeah. That's so that's exactly <sighs> what those, they do. But the, at the mill, I, I got the opportunity to handle them. And they're, they're thistles that have been dried out, essentially. And so if you touch them, it hurts. Um, but when you rake it across, some cashmere it just does something phenomenal and it's that level of expertise that time that I was telling you about that's totally luxury well that's the thing like who discovered you could do that like that that's that's the joy of and I I think that's incredible because I I don't know but I imagine they probably tried it with the Scottish thistle first and that didn't work so well so they've got this amazing Italian one now but I just love that idea that somehow one day someone accidentally dropped something spiky on the wool and thought it was a disaster and then it wasn't let me blow your mind further more my friend please blow it the design process there is a small portion given away to ruining things ruining samples ruining materials so that you can see if something happens i'm pretty sure that that's how ombre happened that's certainly how dip dye happened it's exactly why um bleached denim is a thing you know you you go through processes of, of trying to um innovate around design now teaseling is something that is, is centuries old they've been drying teasels it certainly um, or, or thistles in italy for generations um but yeah that that that's something that when you are designing properly and you dig down into it designing cloth and making clothes is the same process as designing house or you know making a fireplace or it, it starts where creativity and the boundaries of what you can physically do get smashed together and teaseling is, is part of that. I, that, and that I love that I love that this artisan 
piece still works and is still desired to this day because honestly it's, it's so soft it's so soft but it's also just crazy you know you're just like that's someone stood and brushed that with a bit of a plant yeah. to make it really soft find me a more luxurious process than that for then, goodness sake think about how small how small a thistle is like that's the level of detail we're talking that's the level of time that's going in and that level of skill to not destroy it exactly my goodness 1500 no, pounds is a bargain <laughs> I don't actually mean that. I've converted her. <laughs> My work here is done. It's all over from here. But for the 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 thing that I also want to say is that Beg being um on the west. So I grew up in Glasgow. Actually, I um grew up in the south side of Glasgow, then we moved um south. And Paisley was my biggest city that I could jump into from Barhead. And there were mill scars all around that city in the late 80s, early 90s. And by osmosis, because I didn't, you know, as a child, you don't really know what you're witnessing. You're just walking around places. There was a very old mill smack bang in the middle of the city that was surrounded by um, the river. And this building um, is now offices and luxury flats. And they did that after I left to go to uni to come here in Edinburgh. Um, But when I was growing up, it was derelict. And the building used to fascinate me. And I knew it was a mill. But it hadn't twigged as to why that mill was on the river and why that that was important. But Beg started out in Paisley and he absolutely knew why it was important to have a, a, a constant running flow near your facility. And that's what happened when they moved it down to air. For me, I, you know, I, I talk a lot about Scottish water. Obviously, that's that's part of the com- component that makes our, our rule feel the way that it does. It makes our whiskey taste the way that it does. But obviously, geographically, some water will taste different around the country, even though it's all geographically soft. For me, I know a big scarf and throw feels different. And I'm pretty sure it's to do with the fact that that water is Ayrshire water. You know, you, you can make stoles and throws up in Elgin. You can make stoles and throws in Selkirk. I've handled all of these things. They're all super duper soft, don't get me wrong. They're all super duper warm. Um, but there's something about the big one that feels different. And I'm telling you, it's the water. And the teasel. And the teaseling. Well, no, you can teasel, you can teasel in Selkirk and an Elgin. It's the water, Jill. You know, whiskey, like that's one of the big components is the water. Mm. And you Absolutely. look you look at where all the distilleries are and they they're next to a brilliant river. Yeah. Um and and that that must be a component in the taste. Of course, there's lots of other things that are a component in the taste, including how it's aged. The only whiskey I really like is uh, Highland Park, which is actually quite a peaty whiskey. It's from Orkney, where there are no trees. So the I can't imagine living anywhere with no trees. I've been in Orkney too, but when you think about a, an island that is so windblown, yeah, wouldn't it? It can't. It doesn't have trees. Well, no, none that are natural. The, yeah. Obviously, the Victorians put a few in. But um, yeah, but it is, it's, it's an incredible landscape, but that, that is my whiskey. And obviously, as we've just learned from my penchant for blankets, the one that I liked the most was the most expensive whiskey that we got to try. I am a lady with expensive taste, but, um, but yeah, you can, um, you can definitely, that must be such a huge component mm-hmm. in, in our however many whiskies that come out of this country. Well, I'll burst your bubble royally. I was treated um, back in 2013 to a night out on Johnny Walker. 
Big Johnny. Big Johnny from Kilmarnock Way. Um, but now he is obviously a global international star. Uh, but Johnny Walker had been, I think it was, maybe it was their centenary. I'm probably getting that wrong. It was a really long time ago and there was whiskey involved. So I, I can't get all the The details are murky. Yeah. Um, but they had sent a yacht around the world. So I think, I'm pretty sure it was a centenary. They sent a yacht around the world uh, to celebrate exactly, the, you know, all the joys of, of, of whiskey, you know, going to find spices and raw ingredients and blah, 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 blah. Um, but then returning the boat back to Leith. So it left from the west coast of Scotland and then went around wherever it went and then ended up back at the shores in Leith. And I got on the boat at Leith um, with uh, one of the, the head guys of Diageo and, and some press and some friends. And we all sat down and had a dinner. And um, much like I was telling you about the Chanel night, I am a total, I was a total Philistine. I was very anti-Scottish things because I was Scottish. You know, I'm, I'm that classic Glaswegian, we're more than bagpipes and shortbread and whiskey and tart. And of course we are, but also we're awesome at that, right? We are really good at those things and they are really good things. They are really great things. But I, I you know, that, that naivety of youth, that, you know, wanting to be different, you know, mm -hmm. Um, wanted to prove a point, um, but also that I really didn't like the taste of whiskey. I, I, you know, I used to describe it, and sometimes it still does. It's you know, it's like being beaten up in a bowl. You know, that's what it tastes <laughs> like. It's being punched, and not in a nice way. You know, it's 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 an aggressive drink. It's, it is, an and it makes people aggressive. It is, and it, that's a very good word. It's an aggressive drink. You know, and it burns, and it stings, and it's. So I, I, I didn't used to, I, I could never really get the flavour tones, you know, it just would, I, my mouth would be on fire. Anyway, I went to this dinner because I thought, right, I'm going to, I'm going to properly give this a go. And we sat all night and the point of this was back in 2013, they were trying to move into a, a more cocktail environment. And that's something that wool has done really well in Scotland. So we've got cashmere, we've got merino, we've got lamb's wool, we've got cotton that we can put in with the cashmere and the merino, and we've really excelled in, in textiles in doing that. The whiskey industry before this didn't. They liked you to drink that drink, and if you put ice in it, some people would get upset, or, you know, there was, there was laws around how you were to do this stuff. It's interesting, right? isn't it? Because um, when we were in, Hin we did the tour in Highland Park, I was there with my aunt Orkney, with my parents. And the best description I've had, and this is no judgment if you do like ice in your whiskey, but the guy explained it really well. And he said, you know, you, you it's, it's a bit like red wine, you know, you want your drink to breathe. Mm. So you put your whiskey in the glass and you put a tiny, tiny drop of water in it, and it kind of opens yep. everything out. Whereas if you're, you're basically warming it up, that's it. You're sort of breaking it down. You're waking it up. I'm sure there's much better phrases for it. I was like, oh, right. Yeah. That's why you get upset when we put ice in it. Yeah. Um, but obviously in America, it's a completely different ball game. And they use whiskey and bourbons in other drinks or, or you know, and, and, and make cocktails. But we don't, we've never really done it here. And so this night was a celebration in that, and it was the first time I'd had a Parma Violet whiskey. You ever had one? No. Oh my God, it's great. Um, it just basically tastes like Parma Violet and whiskey. It's delicious, delicious. 
uh, and very dangerous because you are hammered, you know, very quickly <laughs> on a tiny little dainty drink, the way that you wouldn't be when you're drinking whiskey because it's 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 hard it's a hard drink. Well, it's hard liquor, yeah, isn't it? right? So we'd done all the dinner, we'd done we'd done all the chats around it, and I loved the story because for me, I'm a writer first and foremost, and just like fashion writing, um. I'm, I like to hear the story of the, the people that founded it. I like to hear the story of the artisans. I like to hear all of the, the back knowledge and, and why things are used and all that kind of stuff. And so it was a really, really lovely night. Um, but to not be the same girl as you, the most expensive nip came out at the end. And I think it was, I think it was about £900 a nip. Uh, sorry, a nip is a, 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 shot, a shot. It's not actually a shot, is it? It's like, no. it's literally a nip like is a beep. does nip translate i don't know if it, nip is quite a scot yeah. I, I mean even to to pinch someone to nip someone it's, yeah. it's quite a scottish phrase i maybe, think maybe you're no you're right email and tell us yeah yeah it's, it's just a it's a coating of the glass essentially yeah. you know enough for you to have a mouthful and bit and so i'd worked myself up to it and i'm sitting there with you know this the, the this really high up person in diageo who is so passionate about their brand as they should be because it's an amazing brand and i'm like i can do this i can i had the parma violet whiskey i can i am i am a whiskey gal in now and i drank it and he looked at me and he was like you don't have to drink it it's okay i looked back and i was like i'm so sorry this is the most vile thing i've ever tasted (laughs) and i will not write that because the parma violet whiskeys were brilliant but it was exactly that. And I think one of two things would at play here. My palate was very young. Mm. You know, I think that you kind of graduate into your whiskey chops. Um, I'm slowly getting there. I really associate the smell of whiskey with my dad because, you, do. you know, like the end of a party mm. or, you know, Christmas evening or whatever, like sitting close to him. But it doesn't taste how it smells. No. I was, not surprisingly, for anyone who knows me, drinking it too quickly. You've really got to take your time mm-hmm. and you've really got to sort of give it, a, not a minute, but give it a moment in your mouth. And I think that's the other thing you've got to, you know, time. learn. Jill, yeah, time. time. I mean, they spent 18 years at least aging it for you. Don't gulp it down immediately. Right. But then I, I keep saying this to you throughout this whole process. The thing that became abundantly clear is that time is the luxury. That's it. After the disaster that was having the nip that should have changed my world view on whiskey, it did not. I am not like you. I clearly am a cheap, cheap date. It's that Edinburgh Glasgow thing yep, again. Totally. Um, I a couple of years after that, when I was doing the cashmere jumpers with with the book, I, I did a little um, showcase down in London. And Ocintoshin sent us some whiskey. And they are a relatively um, young whiskey maturity. I don't know what the right terminology for that is. You know, they don't, it's not like a, a 25 Yes, there you go. It's not like a 25-year process. I think it's in the teens of, of the of the whiskey process. But it tasted like chocolate. It tasted, for the first time in my life, I... I got that thing that people were talking about what kind of oak barrel it's done in how long it's aged for and there was this real sweet 
juiciness about it. It was just delicious. And so that is my drink of choice. And they wouldn't thank me for this, but great in an old fashioned, like delicious in an old fashioned. I'm an old fashioned kiddo. Um, and so, yeah, that was life changing for me that, and, but Auchentosh is made in Glasgow. And so I think it's just because I'm Glaswegian, but I'm like, mmm. Sure, Glasgow sweet tooth where you're just like, oh totally. yes, please. But it's really good. And you haven't tried it, so I need to get you some. And yeah. I haven't tried yours. So no. we'll do yeah, a we'll, swap we'll test. We'll have to do a swap test. Yeah. We'll have to do a swap test on a night when your children are not around. Yeah, that's, that's barely ever, is it? After um, the glory that is big... The next podcast, what we're going to be talking about is a mill that's very, very close to my heart. It's DC Dalgleish. Mm-hmm.